www.ghostdog.org. Hey, good afternoon and welcome to SWAT Radio. It's Doug McCary of His Light Ministries. Today is Thursday, October 19th. That's right. We're all over halfway through October of 2023. Hard to believe. And uh, today, as always, Thursdays are our guest day. We uh, usually have either a guest call in or we have a guest in the studio. And in the studio today, I have Ben Carroll. Uh, and Ben is a guy I just met last week, actually, through um, through a guy named uh, Mike Savini. Mike's been on here before. Mike's a SWAT brother from out at the beach. And he and Ben know each other, and he wanted us to connect, and we did. And after talking to Ben, I called him and said, hey, I was supposed to have another guy on this week, and he couldn't make it. Could you be on our program? And he agreed, and he's here. Ben, welcome to SWAT Radio. Thank you, Doug. It's so, yeah, so good to have you. I was fascinated just to hear your story when we were talking, and I thought it'd be great, encouraging for our listeners. Um, isn't it, you know, you, you've you been a believer for a while, right? Yes, sir. Isn't it encouraging to hear stories from people of how God works in their life? Yeah, I love it. It's just a great thing. And you grew up with a dad who was a preacher, right? Yes. And, uh, so you were a PK. Unfortunately, I wasn't a PK. I was a DK. I was a deacon's kid. <laughs> uh, but um, but we were very involved in the church. But my kids have been kind of they, PK, MK, whatever you want to call it. I've been in ministry now 30 years. And um, a lot of times that puts a lot of pressure on children growing up in that environment. Did you feel that at all? Did you feel like you were kind of in a window as the PK? pk you know the preacher's kid yeah we we were kind of controlling though we uh we'd come into a church and i have uh three other brothers and a sister and we would pretty much get the young people together and start growing the youth ministry so that so you were involved in it from from an early age then when you're like when tell us a little bit about like growing up as a preacher's kid you heard the gospel message you heard um you know the bible taught when did it really click for you? Like, when was it that you go, okay, I know I'm a sinful person and I need Jesus and I want him to be my king. I want to follow him. When did that happen for you? Uh, probably between 10 and 13 years old. Okay. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that, uh, it was uh, being around it. My dad was a state trooper and uh, bivocational for quite a while. And, um just growing up in the church, uh, when my dad was saved, the first thing he did is he went and brought my mom to church. A couple of weeks later, my mom was saved, and then we just started attending church regularly. All right. And so you grew up in that um, that environment, but you also grew up, like you said, you had a dad who was bivocational. He not only was a pastor, uh, he was a law enforcement person right he was either he was a trooper but at other places you said he was like a chief of police too right right when he finally surrendered to the ministry full-time uh, we moved into south georgia and uh, a lot of the towns couldn't pay him very much as a pastor with a lot of children so they would hire him because of his background they would hire him in town as the local police chief 
so dad could arrest you Saturday night and lead you to the Lord Sunday morning. <laughs> that's, that's fascinating. Well, and uh, you said uh, you, you um, and your wife, how many children do you guys have? We have three children and seven grandchildren. Okay. Well, um, so you grew up with this and you came to Christ as a, a early adolescent, early teen. And, and you got into law enforcement somewhere along the way. How did that happen? Well, I was, uh, just graduated high school. I was 19 years old and my dad was a police chief in a small town called Climax, Georgia. And, uh, we were just outside of Albany, Georgia or Albany for people that live <laughs> yeah. there. And, uh, dad asked me because we had a lot of I had a lot of brothers and sister, and my brother-in-law came to live with us, and my dad just said, I need help financially. Would you be willing to go to work? I can get you in the military or in law enforcement. And uh, I thought, wow. Well, the military, you know, 79, Vietnam was over with and not a lot going on in the military, and I thought, they're going to pay me to drive cars fast, shoot guns, and get in fights. So I was like, wow, let's go do this. So I joined the Albany Police Department. And how old were you again? 19. You were 19, which means you were under 21. You probably couldn't even buy ammunition then. My, my dad had to buy my bullets for me. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Uh, that is something else. So you did that, and um, you worked for him up there. And then where did you go from there? Did you go to college? Did you just move from one force to another place and do law enforcement? Because you were in law enforcement for a long time. What yes. was your journey there? Well, I was in Albany for two years, and then I went down to uh, Orlando, Florida, and uh, joined the uh, Altamont Springs Police Department. I was there for 15 years, became a uh, lieutenant, headed up their traffic division, special operations. Uh, after that, uh, CSX Railroad uh, heard about me. I was writing a lot of federal grants at the time and picking up a lot of money for highway safety programs, and I did a special program for the railroad, and so they went and hired me. And I went to work with uh, CSX Railroad out of Savannah, Georgia, as a special agent for about a year. And then they brought me here to Jacksonville with the purpose of uh, building their police communication center, their nationwide center. So I did that for them here. And then after doing that, uh, I decided I wanted to be a police chief. I had gotten my college while I was uh, employed as a policeman and uh, went on back to Orlando and became the police chief of the Tavares Police Department in Orlando. Okay. And uh, stayed there several years. And then my wife got transferred back here to Jacksonville with J.C. Penney's. Okay. Uh, over the uh, Avenues Mall. <laughs> and uh, I came back here and did the next 15 years with the Clay County Sheriff's Office and uh, joined their SWAT team, was on their SWAT team for about 15 years and did their emergency management well, so you, quick question, as you were just sharing. So when you were with CSX, the railroad company there, um, you were you were one of their agents. Were, were, did, that was a private, like, was that like a security guard type position? Uh, there was no law enforcement capability there, was there? Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, the uh, special agents for the railroads, there's four class one railroads in the U.S., they are sworn law enforcement, and they have both federal and state power. Really? Yes. Wow. Well, that's so a, I, I made a federal case while in Savannah and arrested a guy for train robbery. Wow. I think I, I'm probably the last guy to arrest somebody for, <laughs> for train, train robbery. robbery. Yeah, that's uh, that's interesting. So, so you served in a lot of different law enforcement positions coming up, and then as a chief, 
and then uh, with the SWAT team, what, where, where was your favorite place to serve in just the law enforcement community? Like, what did you enjoy most, the, being a chief or being an agent or, you know, whatever? It, it was the SWAT team. Was it? Yes, the camaraderie, the level of uh, discipline it takes, uh, the type of guys that gravitate towards that. Mm-hmm. Uh, they often get a, a bad reputation of being the knuckle draggers. Yeah. But uh, it, with our team, uh, we had uh, 33 guys on the team. Everybody but three people had a college degree, and five of us had master's degrees. Okay. Well, you know, it's interesting. When I, I was on the SWAT team in the FBI here in Jacksonville, and one of the things that I loved about it was the camaraderie. I had that in the Marine Corps as well. And when I, when I was called into ministry in 1994, I, I, I did not sense that within the church among the men there, which was really, I, I missed it. And uh, over the years, uh, it's just something you get used to, you know, from being on the SWAT team, you know this guy has your back. You have his back. It doesn't matter what color he is. It doesn't matter. Um, it doesn't matter his education level. The fact is you guys are a team, and you feel that camaraderie. And uh, so one of the reasons we started SWAT, the SWAT Bible Studies, which SWAT stands for Spiritual Warriors Advancing Truth, uh, was that camaraderie of men uh, coming together around the word with that same level of accountability because there's accountability on the SWAT team. If a guy's not going to train, he's not going to be a guy you put out there to go uh, on calls. And and so there's accountability. There's a passion to be there. It does attract certain people to it. And um, I told my wife last night, uh, my son has been watching this series. I don't know if you've watched on on TV. It's called special forces america's toughest training or whatever and so they they get these celebrities and they take them through special forces training and um and we were just watching it and some of the tests that they do and my wife said i'm i'm not for that i i couldn't do that that's not and i said well you weren't made to do that um you know but i love that that's like i i love that and I know you love that just from our conversations, you can tell. Yes. And so uh, we, as a m- body of believers, of men in the church, should love that. Like when I think of Paul, I think of a SWAT guy, you know, <laughs> the Apostle Paul. I mean, the, the guy got beat five times with 39 lashes, you know, three times with rods, and he keeps going. That's that, that drive that... I think is missing today in a lot of places. And, and we really need men to step up, don't we? Yes. Yes. That's the same with the disciples. They were whipped for preaching Jesus. And when they, when they were leaving uh, the, the presence of the Pharisees, they, they were celebrating that they got whipped. They were like, yeah, I can just see those, those 12 guys. They were probably a really tight group. Yeah. I'm sure they were a tight group. Well, um, you know, in doing the SWAT, you um, you you bring a, a a different perspective, and I shared with you some of the things I've been trying to do with what I call faith based partnerships of training of law enforcement to go in there. Uh, my friend uh, Chad Robichaud said that if you want to be the best warrior you can be, 
you got to be a Jesus follower first. Yes. Uh, and I know you shared that philosophy as well. Uh, talk a little bit about how how did you do that when you were in those fields? Because was there ever a time that you shied away from that with your guys, like as a chief or as a operator or as a, a patrol guy? W- were you b- always bold in that area, sharing your faith? I think probably so. Uh, I, just from the beginning, um, I remember my field training officer, me and him talking about Jesus. Uh-huh. And uh, just mm-hmm. throughout the years, uh, people knew that I approached things a little bit differently, that um, I had a list of words that were counter words to swear words. <laughs> and I put it out to all my guys one time. I said, hey, we sound, my mom told me a long time ago, she said, when you have to resort to profanity, it's because you failed to master the English language. <laughs> so what my mom did is we just came up with alternative words. And so I used to put those out to my guys. Uh, I've got several friends that uh, accepted the Lord while we were working. Uh, I've got a really great partner uh, that we've been partners for over 20 years now. And we still work together outside of law enforcement now for a construction company. And we have a, a business together and, um, uh, He's just a strong Christian man, and we hold each other accountable. That's awesome. That's awesome. And then that that that's what we need, and that's what we need in the church. I mean, you know, you've seen the church. Like, you grew up in it like I did. I mean, like witnessing the, the, the way that the church did things. Are we going to break, right? Yeah. So, I'm sorry. We got to go to our first break. We go uh, on the quarter, so we're going to have to come back. But I— You can think about this during the break. What is your take on the current state of men in the church? All right, I'd love to hear your perspective as somebody who grew up kind of going to church. And I know what it was like when I was there, but I'd love to hear your perspective. So we're going to go to our first break. We're talking to Ben Carroll. And uh, Ben has an extensive history in law enforcement and walking with Christ. He brings a very unique perspective and he's got a neat ministry and uh, we're going to hear more about it when we come back from our break stay tuned this program has the potential to reach millions of men each week if you'd like to learn how you can support this unique program that is helping men understand the truth about jesus through god's word and how to impact their lives and the lives of others then go to www.swatradio.com. Then click on the donate link to help SWAT Radio pass on the truth for the next generation. SWAT Radio is brought to you in part by Ace Door and Window Service, Inc. Ace Door and Window Service, Inc. is a full-service sales door and window installation company. Both of the owners are licensed contractors and are involved in the daily operations of the company. All of their trucks are company-owned and fully equipped. Their mission is to provide Jacksonville and the surrounding area with door and window replacement services. To learn more, call 904-701-3667. That's 904-701-DOOR. Or online at www.acedoor.com. The Florida Georgia Truth Network in Brunswick at 91.3. There I was on death row, guilty in the first degree. Son of God hanging on the hill 
Hey, welcome back to SWAT Radio. It's Doug McCary of His Light Ministries, and I have Ben Carroll in the program today. Uh, and Ben is, uh, well, I say in the in the program. He's in the studio. He's on the program. And uh, I met Ben. Uh, actually, did I meet you this week? Was it this week? We called? Just Tuesday, right? I yes. think. Um, Mike Savini connected us. And uh, because we both have a passion for the Lord, we have a passion for law enforcement we've both served in law enforcement been much longer than i have uh he has an extensive background both at every level of law enforcement and um and he now he trains people and we're going to hear about that later but before we went to break uh ben i was um i had posed a question to you about your take of where we are in the church and the men as leaders that God designed us to be. Uh, we live in a very confused culture right now. Uh, the church is very confused in a lot of ways. Um, as some of the leaders, um, the wokeism that has come into the church, the cancel culture, the, uh, um, the fear of offending, uh, when we live in a culture that not only promotes absurd realities, they're not realities at all, but they're just people's, you know, uh, desire to do things that are contrary to God's will and his design. Uh, and even in leadership within the church, there's a, there's people to talk the way, um, you and I've talked about before this interview, uh, would get a lot of people upset. Uh, so tell me, what do you see, uh, growing up the way you did being taught the word growing in the word and having a heart for Jesus what do you see? Where do you see the men? If you were a consultant that I brought in to give us an evaluation of your observations of where we are with men in the church, what would you say? Well, I'd start off with uh, what what is my ability? What what credibility do I have of talking about this? And I'll just tell you right up front: I had a, a father who was a man's man, but he loved God, mm-hmm. and he set great examples for me. I had a great dad. I had a great mom and dad. So seeing him live out his faith, uh, being a manly man, was a great example for me growing up. Mm-hmm. So as I've been in the church and moved away from my parents, I see uh, the church struggling often in men's ministries. You'll have a great uh, youth ministry. You'll have a great women's ministry. But the men's ministries simply, other than maybe a breakfast every now and then, doesn't exist. And if men are supposed to be the spiritual leader of the home, but we don't have ministries to help them be that spiritual leader, then the men are going to be something other than what God intended them to be. Mm-hmm. So what we see in the church today in many churches is a watered down version mm-hmm. of what men should be often um, with a very, um, with somewhat of a feminine uh, take on mm-hmm. what that man should be and how he should be manly. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that causes confusion for men. It causes them not to want to, come to church because they believe that somehow they're going to have to give up some portion of their masculinity. Mm-hmm. But what they don't realize is that's just Satan's lie. Mm-hmm. Uh, Satan's lie is that you're going to have to give up part of that masculinity. But really the truth is, is that by knowing Christ and growing in your relationship with him through the church and uh, at home with your family, you it actually makes you complete as a man. Mm-hmm. And you become that much more masculine and understand who you really are. And helps you short things out. 
what is when the lies such as wokeism comes to you mm-hmm. that you easily see it as a lie and mm-hmm. and you learn how to steer away from those things and identify them and help your children also and your grandchildren uh, understand what it is to be a godly man mm. hey well i know we're getting some calls if you're listening out there we're not taking calls but if you want to send an email to doug at swatradio.com i'm happy to post a question to ben uh, in light of what we're talking about, typically on Guest Thursday, we don't take calls because otherwise we end up spending all our time going in one direction. And I, there, there's a lot I'd love to have you share about. And this is just one of them. And I want to go back and forth with you just a little bit. There's a lot of people that, that believe that what you're talking about leads to toxic is what they call it, masculinity. Have you heard that phrase? Oh, yeah. And really... It's just biblical masculinity, isn't it? That's what it really is. Yeah, and and, and so I I love Jesus with all my heart. I, I love Jesus and have been very blessed by his grace in my life. And uh, I believe, personally, he took me through the Marine Corps and the FBI and through the SWAT and all that stuff to prepare me for what I'm doing now um, because God was not surprised at the lack of masculinity at the the way men have been emasculated and we need leaders don't we to step up to help lead in this area yes yes Uh, we need men that uh, aren't afraid to be christian men well and you and some other men have been calling men to come to the bridge down in saint augustine right the bridge of lions down there it's or the gate it's the the gate yes the gate Tell us what goes on at the gate down there where you guys, y'all get together once a month, right? Yes, we get together the last Tuesday of every month at 6.30 p.m. Mm-hmm. Uh, it says, uh, wise men gather at the city gate. So what we did is uh, we gather at the city gate and we share stories uh, of the way God is impacting our lives and other people that we know. And we invite all the men to come all across North Florida. And uh, we've had guys all the way over from Tampa come over. Really? And sit down and share their stories. Uh, we had a gentleman one night got there and said, uh, is this the man at the gate? And we said, yes. And he goes, okay, I was told I had to come here. <laughs> and turned out one of the guys that was with us had to go serve some time in jail. And while he was there, he started sharing Jesus with everybody. And this was the first guy he led to the Lord in jail. And he comes all the way over from Tampa to sit there and share G- and share his story the way God saved his life. That's awesome. So you guys just get together and y'all just, there's there's not really an agenda except for guys to share their story, right? To share the stories. Right. Uh, and if you come and share your story, we have a gift for you. Uh-huh. We have a coin in special operations, military yeah. community. We like to coin guys. Yeah. And so on one side of it uh, is a picture of the St. Augustine Gate. And around the edge of it, it says Legend of the Gate. So if you come and share your story, you become a legend of the gate. Wow. And on the back is the verse out of Isaiah that says, let the redeemed share their stories. Wow. So that and around the edge of the back edge are three words, and it's strength, honor, and courage. And uh, I'd love to share with you later on. It's a long story, but how those three words came to be. Well, we got time. Go ahead. Tell well, us. Um, I had a dream one night, one of the most vivid dreams I'd ever had. And uh, throughout the course of my career, I got to meet uh, General Tryon okay. with uh, Lieutenant General of the Marine Corps. 
and uh, I get I've got to speak with him on a couple of times, a, a couple of occasions. And in my dream, the general asked me to go to Washington with him. So we get on a plane and we fly to Washington. And when I get there, we go to this large marble building. It's big and round. It's got a dome ceiling, and there's columns holding the ceiling up. And between each column is a Marine standing in his dress blue uniforms. And down in the center of the, of the room are two high back leather chairs. And the general invites me to come down and, and talk with him. So we go down and sit in these high back leather chairs. And the general says to me, he says, Ben, I don't think men understand the meaning, God's meaning of courage, honor, and strength. And I said, General, you're probably right. And he goes on in to start explaining each one of the words. However, that wasn't really the course of the dream. Uh, didn't make, mean a whole lot at the moment. But uh, after starting to speak, he said, bring me my uniform. And uh, a Marine comes out with a World War One dress blue uniform, and the general starts putting it on. Uh-huh. And about halfway of putting it on, he goes, bring me my horse. And they bring out a white stallion with the boots turned around backwards. <laughs> oh. Now, I know that signifies death. Yeah. But the general takes the, the aide takes the boots out of the stirrups, and the general starts putting the boots on and buttoning up the tunic. And as he starts buttoning up his tunic, the ceiling disappears, and I see the city of Jerusalem coming down out of the heavens. Wow. And it settles out in front of us across a battlefield. And up at the gates, I see men getting on horseback and gathering on horseback, and they start riding down the ramparts and start riding towards us. I looked back at the general, and he's putting on a white Marine Corps cap. <laughs> and uh, the horse rears up, and the general's holding onto the reins, and he goes, Ben, who will tell men what God thinks of courage, honor, and strength? Hmm. Well, I'm the only guy standing there, so I said, I guess I will, General. <laughs> and he goes, then I'll leave it with you. And he charges the men who have now formed out across the front of the city of Jerusalem and are charging us. The general charges them back. Uh-huh. And as they ride out across the battlefield, right before they hit each other, the general's going to, looks like he's going to ride right through them. He pulls up, and they all start patting him on the back and congratulating him. And he leads them back to the city of Jerusalem in columns of two. Wow. And as he turns around and starts riding back, all of the Marines inside the building with me drop to one knee and bow their heads. Wow. And I wake up and I'm like, wow, God. That is one vivid dream. <laughs> that was the, one of the most vivid <laughs> dreams I've ever had. So I start going, God, what does this mean? And he goes, Ben, I want you to get, ask 10 guys and meet at the city gates of St. Augustine. Well, I didn't know anything about the city gates of Jerusalem. I didn't know anything about the city gates of St. Augustine. So I start researching it. And the city gates of St. Augustine are the oldest city gates in our nation. St. Augustine himself said, Christ died as a lamb, yet he rose as a lion. Mm -hmm. So we tell men, come and share your story and be a lion in the city of lions. Wow. And uh, I've got a very good friend named Bart Heydrich. He was senior master gun of the Marine Corps. And I went and told him about this because he introduced me to General Tryon. And um, I said, I really don't want to tell the general I saw him die. (laughs) And then I said, wait a second. Maybe he didn't die. Maybe he's immortal because he didn't die in my dream. So uh, Bart said, Ben, what you don't know is we tell Marines that they guard the gates of heaven. And in my dream, they were guarding the gates of heaven. And uh, it was just incredible. Um, I invited 10 men to the city gates the first night. Um, It rained really bad. And uh, about 10 minutes before all the men were supposed to be there, none showed up because of the rain. Um, the skies cleared, and I just sat there looking out over the fort. And I said, God, what do you want me to do? 
I said, I'll come here once a month, every month from now on, if this is what you want me to do. And he just spoke to my heart and he said, Ben, invite 10 men for, to the city gates. So I invited 10 guys. And, and that's how it started. Yes, sir. And, and, and it's strength, honor, courage, right? Strength, honor, and courage. Wow. When you say that, it makes me think of Gladiator. You know, uh, that, that I don't know if you saw that movie, but that movie, you know, strength and honor is a big statement in there for the, the warriors. And uh, courage is the one thing from the Bible you, you think about a lot because he says, be strong and what? Courageous. There's a statement in, in uh, Aramaic, rock kazak. Have you ever heard that? Rock kazak amats? No. Uh, be strong and courageous. Yeah, and so we Godspeed to those people over in Israel right now who are doing the things they're doing. Hey, uh, we're going to come back after the news, and we're going to hear... The Salvation Army. The Salvation, the Salvation Army. Army today. There are many ways to get to school. Walk, bike, car, bus. Well, according to UNESCO, 244 million children between the ages of 6 and 18 are not in school. The Salvation Army International Schools in Education has a long history of engagement with education and currently works with more than half a million children in more than 2,500 schools in 45 countries. For the Salvation Army, the essential element is being able to attend school and receive a high-quality education, regardless of how one travels there. The Salvation Army is about removing barriers to education for the most vulnerable and then providing education that is high quality and enables children to either move confidently to the next stage of education or feel empowered enough to look for employment. Learn more about the Salvation Army's commitment to educating our youth at SalvationArmy.org IHQ schools. There's a few delays because of a crash on I-10 westbound at Cassett Avenue on the west side. Also, there's some delays because of a broken down vehicle on the West Beltway, 295 southbound at the west end of the Buckman Bridge, blocking the right lane. Partly cloudy tonight, low 57, Friday sunny, high 80. From the Traffic and Weather Center, I'm AJ. They say sometimes you win some, sometimes you lose some. And right now, right now I'm losing bad. Stood on this stage night after Hey, welcome back to uh, SWAT Radio. It's Doug McCary and I have Ben Carroll, former law enforcement Chief Clay County SWAT guy, uh, Georgia deputy, I guess, uh, and uh, servant of the Most High God. And uh, again, Ben, it's so glad. I'm just so glad to have you on today and that you could join us and be here and kind of share about this. And I want to go back to the bridge uh, or the gate. I keep calling it the bridge because I think of the bridge down there, but the gate. Where is the gate located you guys go to? Where is it? It's located right on the end of St. George Street, right across from uh, the fort. Okay. Uh, you can't miss it. Uh, it stands off by itself. Okay. And um, you guys meet there. Uh, I think you told me you normally meet the last Tuesday of the month, but because this month's Tuesday is Reformation Day. <laughs> uh I didn't say Halloween. I said Reformation Day. Uh, you're going to meet there 
uh, next week, right? Right. It's uh, next Tuesday. Next Tuesday at what time? 6.30 p.m. So 6.30 p.m. If you are a guy that lives in St. Augustine, South Georgia, it doesn't matter where you live. Like he said, they had a guy come from Tampa. You are welcome to come join them, share your story with the group to encourage them, be part of this uh, movement of men sharing their stories to encourage one another, men at the gate. Yes. I love that. Uh, you know, city gates were very important. I lead groups to Israel and teach on the city gates how important they were. It's where the kings conducted their business. Uh, if somebody had an issue, in fact, that's how Absalom really started to build a consensus to overthrow David. He started sitting in for him at the gate to hear people, or he would go not he would go to the gate and tell people, "Bring your case to me." And that's how he started influencing people. Uh, the city gates were a very important part of uh, Jewish social life and the community. And uh, I, I, it's just really fascinating that you guys are doing that. So next Tuesday, 630, uh, Ben would love for you to come join them down there at the St. Augustine Gate, the oldest city gates in the country. Yes, and bring a camp chair. Bring a camp chair or you'll be standing. Uh, or sitting on an old uh, hard sit wall. <laughs> sitting on a wall. Yeah. So, um, Ben, you uh, had shared with me um, about – your training you 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 have been doing training now for how long uh, of of not just churches but other groups like in the area of dealing with a maybe a active shooter or a hostage situation or a bad guy comes into an otherwise normal place of business or place of worship uh you've worked with different law enforcement agencies how long have you been doing that kind of training uh, we, we started our company about uh, 15 years ago, mm -hmm. and we got into the church side of it about uh, about 12 and a half years ago at the request of a local church looking for help. Okay. And uh, specifically, you train them, I, and I, I gave a little bit, but maybe I was not a, a complete or even or I might have been a little off. What specifically do you train them? Like if there's a church out there and they have a security team, but they they would like for their security team to have better training or to be more efficiently trained. What would you bring to that security team for that particular church? Well, we we approach it as a ministry to grow men, and um, we we've been invited to share this at various levels, uh, even with the government. Mm -hmm. But um, it's not to really help them go after an active shooter. We provide that type of training. But it's really to take what men truly are, protectors, and allow them to protect others while at the church. Okay. And so we, we use that as a ministry. Uh, it actually follows the life of my father, who was a state trooper. One day was pumping gas out in front of a very large church in Nashville. And the pastor that went to that church was standing on the other side of the gas pumps. And he said, you know, I could really use a trooper sitting in the back of my church protecting me every Sunday. Well, my dad got community service time for doing that. He thought, well, I can sit inside in the air conditioning and uh, sit in the back, and I get credit. So my dad started doing that, and a couple of weeks later, the Holy Spirit found my dad sitting on that back pew and saved his life. Wow. And uh, from there, uh, the pastor a couple of years later said, well, you could watch my back a lot better by being in the choir. 
And what my dad didn't realize, that pastor was helping him grow in his service towards the Lord. Mm-hmm. So being in Nashville, everybody in the choir is an aspiring country music singer. So my dad immediately said, I don't sing. Yeah. And he said, that's okay. We're going to put you in a robe. You just smile and move back and forth with the rest of the choir, and we'll know what you're doing. So my dad did it. And uh, my mom joined him in the choir. And then a couple of years later, the pastor said, you know, I've got a 10-year-old boy Sunday school class. And my dad was scared to death to go teach that class because he didn't know his Bible well. Mm -hmm. But that got my dad studying his Bible and able to teach 10-year-old boys. Because the pastor said, who better to teach 10-year-old boys than a state trooper? Mm -hmm. And then after that, it was the adult Sunday school class where he's now challenged even more. And so my dad is growing in this pastor. He was being discipled by the pastor. By the pastor, he didn't even know it. And then later on, it was a deacon. Later on, he became a pastor. And so that's what we do here is we get people serving where they feel like God's calling them to serve. Men love to protect. Mm -hmm. So we teach them, come to church. If you want to carry a gun, we're going to let you carry a gun. But you don't have to carry a gun to be on the security team. There's other things people do. We have... Uh, first aid people, we have doctors, we have nurses, people that join that go to church at different churches. Um, and uh, we just let them start serving. And we've we've even had some churches where they've allowed the men to come in and they're not even saved. Mm-hmm. And uh, and they they too find Christ. Well, so, one, of the, one of the things that struck me when I was talking to you about this is, uh, and this applies to businesses as well, for most training that I've experienced out there, for active shooters or some kind of bad situation where you've got a bad actor with a gun that comes into an otherwise normal place of, of, of either business or even a place of worship is most training is geared to what happens when the person gets in there. Right. It's, it's, it's all, it's already happened. There, there's, there's not been stages of identification uh, barriers to keep that person from getting that. I haven't experienced a lot of that training. And so I was intrigued when you shared that your goal is to, to help people recognize that there's a potential bad actor way before they ever get into the sanctuary. Right. Right. We use the book uh, left of bang. And what we do is we help people serving in various groups we have a security group. We have an usher group. We have a greeter group. We have a parking lot team. And what we do is we train them on how to look for that anomaly, the thing that doesn't look right for church. If you look at the average people coming to church in the morning, they're all smiling. They're heading in to go worship the Lord, singing. They're meeting their friends on Sunday, things like that. But Unless they're fighting with their spouse or their kids. <laughs> we've seen that. Because <laughs> the enemy always attacks on Sunday morning, doesn't he? I that's mean, it. I'm that's joking. it. But it. no, but that's that helps us. We've actually had cases where we were able to intercept those people before they got in and divert them to a pastor to help them because they're struggling in their marriage. Uh-huh. And, and it just overflowed into the church parking lot. So uh, we teach them to look for those anomalies. Mm-hmm. Um, we know that there's three great challenges right now the church faces every Sunday morning, and it's not an active shooter. Yes, those come along, and we do train uh, our security teams in firearms. Uh, We have four different firearms classes we train them in. But the three real great challenges of our church today Mm -hmm. are medical issues, Mm -hmm. uh, sexual predators, Mm -hmm. and domestic violence spilling over into the church. Mm -hmm. Because a husband and wife can be against each other, can be separated, 
uh, with injunctions for protection and things like that. But that husband knows where the wife's going to be on Sunday if she's a devout believer. She's going to be in church with her children, and he knows he can go there and find her. So domestic violence is common to overflow into a church. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting that you bring that up. I've been in two services in my lifetime where there was a medical event, a significant medical event. One of them was at a very large church, uh, a pastor who's written lots of books. If I mention his name, everybody know who it is. And he kind of kept preaching and the security team there did what they needed to do. But it was a significant medical event going on on about the fourth row. And, yes. uh, and it was the first time I had ever seen anything like that in church. It just never been in there where it happened. And they had obviously been trained because of the way they handled it. The pastor, I mean, he paused to just say a prayer, Yes. but, but then went on and they, they got the medical people in there to get them out. And it was, he just kept preaching after he prayed for the person and said that we've got people that'll take care of that. And I thought, wow, that was really handled well. Most churches probably aren't prepared for that right now. There, there's, I've seen various levels. I've seen some excellently pre- prepared with doctors and nurses standing by. There's a local church here that they actually have a medical room just off the sanctuary that's just like a emergency room, and the back doors open up to a button block where the ambulance can back up to it. Wow. Now, that that's a really great thought. Well, uh, when we come back, I want to pick up on two of these others, the domestic violence and the predator aspect, because those are other two issues. We tend to think active shooter, those are very rare. These are a lot more common uh, and probably a lot more likely to impact a local church, aren't they? Yes. Uh, so, so when we come back, we're going to hear more from Ben Carroll. Again, thanks, Ben, for joining us. And uh, that book he mentioned is called Left of Bang. And uh, it just talks, well, it, we'll talk about it when we come back from the break. Uh, I'll get him to explain a little more. Uh, you're listening to SWAT Radio. I have Ben Carroll on. We're going to be back after this, our last break. Stay tuned. If you'd like to contact SWAT Radio, the toll-free number is 1-844-777-7928. That's 844-777-7928 or 844-777-SWAT. You can also listen to this program through the WTRJ The Truth app from the App Store or over the Internet by accessing www.swatradio.com. We'll be back shortly for further discussion and to take your calls. We're so grateful for having people like Tom Neal Truck Company sponsoring SWAT Radio. Tom Neal Truck Company is located at 417 Edgewood Avenue South in Jacksonville, Florida. Tom Neal is a full-service franchise truck dealer for Freightliner, Western Star, Volvo, Isuzu, and Sprinter vans offering new and used truck sales, service, parts, and truck rental, and leasing to the North Florida and South Georgia truck market. More information on Tom Neal Truck Company is located at www.tomnehl.com. The Florida-Georgia Truth Network, Palm Coast Listens at 91.9. There is good news for the captive, good news for the shame. There is good news. 
Hey, welcome back to SWAT Radio. It is Guest Thursday. I have Ben Carroll uh, of Ground Operations Development. Is that right? Yes. Uh, and uh, he is a former law enforcement of 40 years. Is that right? Yes, sir. Uh, uh, and I'm glad that uh, he was able to join us today. He was sharing a little bit about the three great challenges. We, we look at our culture in light of what's going on in the Middle East, the, the potential uh, terrorist threat, you know, that's out there. People talk about that, the active shooter threat. But the three challenges you mentioned are probably a lot more likely for a local church or even a business, yes. a medical, uh, especially in this day and age. Uh, I think I've heard of more medical events happening since COVID either because people got COVID or people got the vaccine. It doesn't matter. It was a wicked, evil thing that was unleashed on us by China. And it's caused problems for people, long-term effects for people. So there's been a lot of medical events. And if you're not prepared to deal with it, people can panic. That's the worst thing you can do uh, is to go through it. And so your group has developed policies to help so uh, how, what's the best way? Do you have a website or what's the best way for a pastor or a church leader to get in touch with you to have you come train their people? Is it, do you have a ground operational development website they can go to? Yes, sir. It's just groundoperationsdevelopment.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. And they can, uh, they'll get my phone number there. They can hear some of the, we actually give a couple of tips on how to, how the church is being challenged by sexual predators right now within the church because uh, my brother-in-law is also a long-term police officer down in Orlando. Okay. Uh, we, we were actually uh, friends on the first day we started law enforcement down there and I wound up marrying his sister 10 years later, <laughs> but uh, he was uh, an investigator for the Seminole County Sheriff's office in the sex crimes unit. And he said, Ben, one of the things I want you to know is that I can get a confession out of every single sexual predator that I've ever come across because it's a crime of guilt. Mm-hmm. And he said in, so it's completely obvious why these men wind up in church. He goes, because they're guilty. What does the church offer? Forgiveness. Exactly. And the, and, and it's, it, this is a rampant problem in our culture right now, isn't it? Yes. Uh, I have about 60 churches that have been participating in the program, and not, see, not a single one of them has not found sexual predators in their church. And it's because they come there for the forgiveness. But you got to remember, this, Satan's still there. Uh, talking on one shoulder and their uh, greatest capabilities are to get inside people's boundaries mm-hmm. and become well-known. Many of them ascend to places high within the church. Well, we've seen that even with uh, n- some nationally known leaders who have had that issue and that problem. And it's a, it's a terrible thing because they're in positions of trust Exactly. And, and, and so they, they are, are, like you said, they're allowed into people's boundaries that other people might not normally be allowed into. True. And so, uh, so y'all deal with that. Y'all help people learn how to look for signs and things, right? Anomalies, right? Anomalies and also how to screen, uh, just doing a simple background check. Listen, these sexual predators, they know, they know that you're probably going to search on the church address. And the boundary within the state of Florida is five miles. So what they do is they just go to a church five miles away from their home. Mm-hmm. And the church is going to put their address in when they do the background check, and they're not going to come up as a sexual predator or a sex offender. 
So they wind up working their way in. They come to church every Sunday. They tithe. They're they're very faithful. And the next thing you know, they've worked their way up to some position of authority within the church. Mm. And now they have access to your children. And and it can some of these people can literally destroy what God's doing within a church. Oh, and, and Satan wants nothing more than we've seen it. My wife and I have personally seen it in uh, some ministries where that has happened. Uh, where somebody uh, ascended to a pretty high level, had a lot of access to uh, young people, and abused them. I well, mean. there is a system called Diana Screen, and Diana Screen will actually uh, screen to about 88% people who will offend. So it's a really good idea to have the people working with your children in the nursery the people that are going to be on your security Is that team. like a psychological profiling thing? Yes. Wow. Yes. And, and what's it called? Can you, it's it, called Diana Screen. Diana. Named after a young lady who screen. took her life after being abused. Diana Screen. All right. That's a, a, that's, that's a good resource to have. Well, listen, if you would like um, Ben and his group to come give you uh, training and a plan, you can go to groundoperationsdevelopment.com. That's groundoperationsdevelopment.com. And uh, just go to that website, and I'm sure there's contact forms on there they can fill out. Well, let's talk about the third one, domestic violence. Is Have you seen an uptick in that? Is that becoming more of an issue in churches today? Or is it is that just... I mean, it's not. I mean, like I'm just. Well, typically, domestic violence is is, is exactly it, it's it's violence being perpetrated against someone's spouse, mm-hmm. and a lot of your active shooters are going to stem off of domestic violence or domestic issues. Mm-hmm. So um, there was a church down in Texas where a guy knew his wife was going to be in church with their little boy, mm-hmm. and he had an injunction against him. He walked in one Sunday, walked right up to her. She was sitting in like the fourth row back. And his little boy looked at him and said, Daddy. And he said, not today, boy. Shot his four-year-old son, then shot his wife right in church. Wow. We had another pastor right over in Tampa that Mm. was counseling a a man and the wife. The Mm. husband uh, quit coming to the counseling. Mm. Satan gets in his mind and starts telling him, Pastor's having an affair with your wife because she continued to the counseling. He goes over to the church and and shoots him in the hallway, Mm. shoots the pastor. So, yes, it's it's a real problem. Uh, There's... And the FBI actually documents it of a lot of the crime that is perpetrated against pastors. Um, and most of it is based on domestic issues they're trying to help the couple with. Wow. Well, again, that website is groundoperationsdevelopment.com. And um, they, they help not only with um, giving you policy, uh, helping in issues of, of potential uh, active shooters, but specifically medical issues sexual predator issues and and dealing with these challenges that really are impacting us in our culture well we 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 only have a few minutes left and i want to talk about this event you do in fact you're leaving uh this weekend is it tomorrow you leave to go up to the appalachian trail yeah i I do a lot of hiking and uh yes i'm not going to this event but i'm going hiking take some of us are going up to go hiking. Well, well you're go, are, are you going with Mike and Mike going with you? Yes, Mike's All going right. and, and so I want to talk about the event, and I want to talk about what y'all do this weekend. So we'll start with this weekend first. Um, you and Mike take young men to build into them up there on this trail. Is that right? Well, uh, we, we have a program called Element 26. Okay. And, and Mike may have talked to you about that before on previous shows. 
But uh, we just came back from that last week, week after, week before last. Okay. And it was about 300 men up in the mountains of Tennessee on the Okoye River, one of the greatest white water rivers on the East Coast. And uh, we are just men being men, getting close to God. Uh, got great speakers. We saw 10 people give their life to the Lord and were baptized. And uh, there's nothing like 300 men singing. Uh, none of us carrying a tune, by the way. But 300 men singing, it sounds like uh, a mighty force okay. uh, coming. But uh, And that's Element 26. Element 26. And we just came back from that. Now, I do a lot of hiking in the mountains, and I let people co- come up and go with me. So there's a couple of us going up this weekend, and we're going to be hiking uh, uh, part of the Appalachian Trail. And uh, from time to time, I take my grandsons up, and uh, each one of them have hiked over 100 miles on the trail. And we take the book, uh, Every Young Man's Battle, and it teaches them the way God sees young ladies in their lives and the way they should treat them. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we take that book, we hike 100 miles, and we read the book. And when it's done, I get to watch them grow into young men on the trail. Mm-hmm. And great stories. And uh, uh, it's just one of those blessings where uh, I, I get to grow closer uh to the young men that have gone up there with me, my grandsons. Well, you you and me both had the the privilege and the grace of God to have um, fathers that built into us a good work ethic, uh, a, a love for the Lord, um, and and we see people that don't have that privilege that that have been denied that privilege for whatever reason, and um, and uh, you take these guys your grandsons in this case up there um talk about the value of that for these young men that do not have what you and i had well it 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 teaches them and i always tell them look at the end of the week when we come back um i tell them look you're going into high school now and uh all the boys are going to be bragging about what they did over the summer i said just be humble sit Mm -hmm. back let them talk and when they're done and they ask you what you did, tell them I hiked seven, I hiked uh, 100 miles over seven mountains, and I learned everything a young man needs to know about girls. Mm. I said, you will become the most popular boy in school. Mm. And all three of them are pretty popular right now. <laughs> but uh, what it is is you just get to see them grow. You're, you're feeding into them. You're sharing Jesus with them. All three of them have accepted the Lord. Two of them were baptized at two of the different Element 26 conferences. Wow. And uh, this last time, all three of them were anointed uh, by the men of my church. We anointed them with water from the Jordan River mm. and uh, shared with them that they were set apart for God's mm. service. And uh, so it was, a, it was a great time just to be with them and to watch them continue to grow as young men of God. Mm. Well, uh, Ben, uh, our our time has come to an end. <laughs> We're at the end of the program, and I'm so glad that Mike introduced us. I'm so glad that uh, you do what you do. I thank you for your years of service um, as a law enforcement officer and as a servant of the Most High. Um, I appreciate um, your your stories and and how God's used you. And again, if you're listening, and your church. Uh, or your business, right? I mean, a church or business, you sure. you, you, you train uh, people with both. Um, if you would like to uh, have Ben come out and train your people or his company, uh, offer training uh, in these areas of preparedness to deal with a, a medical event, uh, dealing with potential sexual predators there, or uh, 
or, or those kind of issues or active shooter uh, he can do that ground operations development.com and again next tuesday at the uh, city gates of st augustine at 6 30 you can join ben and those there that will be sharing their stories their god stories and he would love to have you there ben thank you for being a part of swat radio today glad you're a swat guy thank you thank you for the blessing of getting to share my story yeah well listen pray for ben and pray for his family and his ministry and if you want to listen to this or any past program you can go to www.swatradio.com that's www.swatradio.com connect with us at facebook and twitter at swat radio 